The Mayan Empire was a civilization that was centered in the jungles of what is now modern-day Guatemala. The Mayans forged their empire among the near inhospitable rainforests and the tropical lowlands, which, if you ask some scientists, is a feat that should have been impossible. But after creating mind-boggling cities, which scientists, after new discoveries have been made, are now estimating may have housed over 10 million inhabitants, they seemingly vanished, abandoning their cities and temples to be reclaimed by the jungle forests. The Mayans were leaps and bounds ahead of other civilizations at the times in terms of astronomy, mathematics, and innovations in agriculture, and they simply left it all behind. Theories abound on the hows and whys these people left behind their thousand-year-old cities that were built with such stunning precision and care. Temples that match the very constellations of stars marked major astronomical events and have eerie acoustic properties. Fresh off their journey to the Mayan city of Chichen Itza, Braden and Zell bring first-hand accounts of the awe-inspiring site. Join the theorists as they delve into the origins of the Maya, reason for the Mayans' decline and disappearance, what they left behind, and how mainstream Mexican tour guides are reluctant to admit that extraterrestrials may have had a hand in helping the Maya build their empire. Welcome to Alien Theorists Theorizing. Case file 62, chicken pizza with some Mayan toppings. Um, well, I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And uh, new to the podcast, first longtime listener, first time uh, on the air, our good friend who we went down to Mexico recently to save, Amigo Grande. Hey guys, it's good to be here. Thanks again for uh, saving me from the down in Mexico. Yeah. No, problem. no problem, buddy. Welcome, welcome to the pod. So, uh, me, uh, me, Zell, you may have seen all our pictures of Chicken Itza, Chichen Itza on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, Insta. Instagram. We had one featuring Amigo Grande. Uh, little known fact, uh, Mr. Conspiracy was also with us, but um, decided <laughs> to just keep drinking. Rather than to come to Ch- Chichen Itza, he said, "Fuck that! I'm I'm going to go. Go- I'm going golfing." Yeah, That's like, a lot of stairs. Yeah, I was like, uh, uh, "Mr. Conspiracy, uh, we're gonna go see one of the coolest sites in all of the world." He's like, "Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go golfing. <laughs> I'm gonna pay two. I'm gonna pay two hundred U.S. dollars for a round of golf. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go see these ancient ruins that have been around for you know maybe yeah. hundreds of years and are in- absolutely incredible and one of the." Crowning achievements of human civilization. Oh, no, no, I'm going to keep drinking. And yeah, go I'm just going to play some golf. Yeah. Cla- mm-hmm. Classic Mr. Conspiracy. Class act. <laughs> yeah. Well. It was a good fucking trip, though. A, all, all in all, it was, it was a great trip to Mexico. Yeah, it looked like you guys you guys are looking pretty fresh in your ATT shirts. Yeah. Did you wear those the whole time? Did you wear those the whole time? The whole time we were in Mexico? Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, I did, did, oh, not, okay. did not leave my body. Those must have smelled terrible. We brought uh, we brought Andrew one, but he refused to wear it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to oh, cover God. up the guns. Yeah. Why did you just tear the sleeves off? Uh, it's, I don't know. His hands are too sweaty or something with all the sunscreen. Too much sunscreen. He'd, he'd never been burned before. And he's like, <laughs> eh, what's this? Oh, but wait, my skin's all tender. What's going on here? What's happening to me? Yeah. He's like, I'm brown. I don't burn. <laughs> Pretty funny. It's like you are closer to the equator down there. It's 
Yeah, he was he was pretty oh. adamant. He's like, There's, I've never burnt in my life, man. I'm not wearing sunscreen. All right, that's man. a terrible idea. Yeah, All right, fuck sunscreen. He got burnt. Oh yeah, he he got he, he when he he started blistering, and he was like, you see a doctor? Sunburn, man. Cool your jets. Went and bought like I'm shedding my skin. What's happening? I'm a lizard person. Ah. <laughs> he went and paid forty five dollars for some fucking cool aloe vera gel from the resort. They, they blew their souvenir money on aloe vera. And yeah. Sunscreen the um. All right. Well, let's um, let's get into uh, I got the UFO case file of the week here. Um, uh, I'm just gonna plug it into the randomatron uh, X2 right now, and I'm gonna. Hit go. Let's do it. And stop. Perfect. Did you hear that baby purr, amigo grande? Yeah, purr good. Yeah, it's very quiet. It's quite the elegant, it, elegant machine. Yeah, it's a lot more quiet than the lights in Mexican prison, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the constant buzz. It's too quiet. You can't sleep in Canada. Yes, but it's either the bugs or the lights. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna fuck up all this reading as I usual as I usually do. Jindabin abduction. <laughs> I think it's called Jindabin. Sure, we're going. We're, you, going, we're see, going with Jindabin. It's, it's actually nice having someone else in the studio here. I can confirm. I can confirm the uh, the spelling it's here. Jin, Jindabin. Yeah, I, w- I would call it Jindabin. Uh, for all of you who don't know, is uh, Mister or uh, Amigo Grande has to stay at my house because uh, part of the international treaty to get him out of prison. He's under strict house arrest uh, in Canada, so uh, he's got me on lockdown. I've got him on lockdown. He's in send a- care packages. Yeah. Okay. Jindabin abduction on the twenty seventh of September, nineteen seventy four. A nineteen year old man and an eleven year old boy. Wait, that's a. We're in the snowy mountains near Jindabin, Australia. Australia. Were they brothers? doesn't say they're brothers. That's a weird age gap to be hanging out alone in the snowy mountains. Mm-hmm. First and foremost. Mm-hmm. A cousin, like, it was like, a, why not say a 19-year-old man and his 11-year-old cousin or his 11-year-old brother? But no, just an 11-year-old boy. Yeah, We're in the it, snowy mountains near Jindabin, Australia. When they saw a bright white light on the horizon. It would be nine years before the boy had dreams which indicated a possible abduction memory. The dreams were of being floated inside a UFO and given an examination by a tall, thin, gray creature measuring the electro- electromagnetic field around his body. According to the boy's memories, his companion was subdued to prevent his interfering. Whether or not this was a psychological or real event cannot easily be determined, but the fact that they also saw the same bright light for one and a half hours the following night indicates the possibility of a psychological event implanted over a mundane sighting with possibly the intervening years of memories distorted the recall. That was a long fucking sentence. That was one sentence? sentence, That sentence from... (laughs) It's it's I, I gotta show I'm gonna f- confirm so those of you starts here not one fucking peer, pe- period that whole fucking paragraph it's a whole paragraph whole paragraph of no sentence I was like 
There's no break. Like, when do I stop reading? Anyways, alternative possibilities would include the light on the horizon being a screen memory or the fact that their psychological reaction to the mundane event opened their minds to accept a message which they interpreted as abduction. There are cases in UFO literature which would support either of these possibilities. Dun, so dun, basically, dun. this 19-year-old kid took this 11-year-old boy into the mountains, sexually molested him, and then made him think that uh, it was all cool, and it was just aliens. I, I feel like we've <laughs> done this one before. I, I was going to say, this one sounds very familiar. I think we made like the same comments about the age gap. I feel like that's something we already... Are these marks in the... In the UFO computer, like, do we mark which ones we've done already? Um, well, the, yes, as you say that, the UF, the randomatron does have marks in it of uh, to make sure it doesn't recall. But maybe these are uh, implanted memories, Dan. Okay, all uh, right, interesting. Could happen. You know what, though, I will say this: this machine is uh, infallible. But I did notice, I did notice that when it spat back of the book, the uh, the seam is quite worn on this like on this <laughs> opening here. Like it, the book, their book really likes to pop open to this page. Okay. You know, with often with the refrigerators and the lights in Mexican prison, we'd have to hit them on the side. <laughs> oh, it's not working. All right. Well, maybe just, the randomatron needs a. J- just in case here, I'll uh, I'll do a second one. A oh, nice quick one. Bonus. Sure. Gammy Bert. Bert Gammy. <laughs> He's Canadian. <laughs> it's a great, great old Canadian name. In 1964, Bert Gammy, driving in Canada with his mother and daughter, was buzzed by a huge UFO. The significance of the case was the official reaction that followed. When visited by an officer of the Royal Canadian Air Force whom Gammy had telephoned telephone. and whom he knew he knew personally. Oh, I'm just going to quickly telephone the, the Royal Canadian Air Force. The officer stressed that he would publicly deny having any involvement in the, in, in the investigation. So he, came, he called, wait, so he calls the Royal Canadian Air Force. <laughs> There, he's like, oh, I'll be right there. And he comes and he goes, if you tell anyone that I was here, I'll deny I ever came. So like, why do you even go? Why do you <laughs> even go to investigate? So that's a quick one about Bert Gammy. That boy Bert. That's a, that's a quick one. Some of these are real short. So huh. like this is the, the randomatron usually marks it like this. I better do a dually mark. I think, I think the randomatron might need a little tune-up. Yeah, it's time for the X3, maybe. Maybe, maybe time for maintenance. The X3. Um, yeah, well... We got a ship. We should do it. It's because we got this one from Australia. We should get... Yeah. Pretty sure we got this one from yeah, Australia. I think, it, I think it's time if uh, if anyone else has a randomatron, uh, the plans for randomatron... Get upgrade. Please, uh, please send them to us because we're due for an upgrade. Yeah, as you can hear, this one fucked up big time. Um, well, <laughs> let's get into some space news! Oh, yeah. Um, well, a bus-sized space lab is hurtling towards Earth. No one knows when or where it's going to re-enter and kill people. 
Mexico. Do they say it's going to burn up? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. Are they say it'll stay intact all the way down, or I think most. I think most of it's going to burn up. <laughs> my my favorite part of this is China officially is like, no, it's not in control. We, we're in complete control. It's not out of control at all. Uh, we're we're bringing it down. We it's it's not crashing. We want it to come in. They're like, okay, well, like where are you? Uh, like how are you controlling its descent? And where is it going to land? They're like, don't worry about it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they potentially wouldn't want anybody getting out there and stealing anything that's from it's, there if it does crash. It's eight point five tons. That's heavy. It's pretty big. Yeah. I mean, it could be. I think most of these things are designed to burn up on impact, or not impact, in re-entry. I don't think anybody would really. I think they would think about that when they were building it. But, it's also China, and they're saying that it's not in. They're like, oh no, we're in control. So who knows? Actually, if it's made in China, it's gonna. I'm surprised it didn't burn up on departure. <laughs> they're, they say only ten percent. Of the spacecraft will likely survive being burned up on reentry. Right. So that's what. But so wait, what's ten percent of eight thousand pounds? Uh, like eight hundred. So there's gonna there's a random the worst lottery in the world is happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> An eight hundred pound object is about to just smack into something. Isn't a ton two thousand pounds? Is it ton? Two thousand? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, ton. so then it's sixteen sixteen thousand pounds. So that's like sixteen hundred pounds. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> hope it hope it hits my truck. I get a new truck. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my truck's parked next to your truck. That'd be dope. A couple new trucks. Well, I hope it hope it hits my work. I don't have to go to work. <laughs> um Anyways, so that, you can hang out with me all day. Yeah. Well, yeah, well you're on house arrest, so there's yeah, not no, much you can do anyways. Can't go anywhere. Um This is a this is an interesting one I read. I pulled up uh after one year in space, NASA astronauts DNA no longer matches his twin. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's been big in the news lately. That. That's pretty neat. It's I, insane. He's his DNA has altered by seven percent. So are they still twins? They're still, well, I guess they look, they're like, he's just a little off. <laughs> yeah, I, I I heard that, but I also read that it wasn't nothing, uh, it's nothing new. Like that, they blew that story up way more than it should have. He's, he, like, he's, he's still, he's still identical to his twin, but it changed as much as you think it would from space travel, which is like, it's barely at all, but it is a cool story. Well, Either way, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Will, will it revert back? Like I know, I know astronauts usually get a little bit taller. Uh, I don't think so. Most of the changes the, to the DNA, I mean, there are results of like radiation and stuff you have. I mean, the space station is shielded, but you are exposed to a lot of different types of radiation up there. I imagine it would be like if you were an x-ray technician or something and you're exposed to radiation, your DNA might change a little bit uh, when compared to like an exact, you know, your, your exact twin or something like that. But it's nothing. Uh, he, he's not going to grow like an extra arm or anything or get laser beam eyes. <laughs> Yeah, that would be Shame. cool. Shame. Shame. I don't want to sign up for that. Yeah, I want to laser beam eyes. Um, NASA, this one's a little disappointing. NASA delays the James Webb telescope launch window to May of 2020. No. Push back, push back a little bit. Wow. Wow. Like 
That's kind of a bummer, but we're getting really behind on the space telescopes. Like we need to get that one up there because I think I think China's just finishing their 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 huge radio telescope that they're that they were building over the last couple of years, and that thing's gonna be pretty awesome. Um, we need to get another telescope up there; it'd be super awesome. Keep pumping uh, them up. It, well, it's especially one that like blows the Hubble out of the water. But I guess you, you know you want to get up there safely and not to fuck it up on the way. So. Um, this one's great. This is just a great headline, and I refuse to read any more than just the headline. Walmart files a patent for autonomous robot bees. Yes. Oh, yes. Walmart bees. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to know anything. Did they say how big the bees are? I'm imagining, like, small football-sized bees just flying around with Walmart <laughs> on the side. <laughs> Lower prices or whatever it is. <laughs> they carry your they carry your uh, your merchandise like the Amazon drones, but instead of Amazon drones, they're just giant Walmart bees. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. Um, Start a Skynet. Yeah. Well, Skynet happened. Uh, we actually, I think we recorded a podcast on the day Skynet went live on the movies. I can't remember the date. I don't think we got that one in Mexico. No. Um, <laughs> So this the space the the new space race has officially begun. Um, Vladimir Putin revealed plans to put Russians on Mars in 2019 next year. What? Yeah. Awesome. So I didn't even hear about that. That's nuts and cool. So I like you gotta think this is gonna uh, it's gonna be instantly uh, another space race. I, I just imagine like the scene from the Simpsons and it's like you see the video like you do the moon landing, but it's on Mars with Russians and they put down their flag and instead of the red, white and blue one, it's the Soviet Union flag. And people are watching like Soviet Union I thought you guys disbanded like 20 years ago. That's what we wanted you to think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that I like that because that's kind of that's, uh, that's pretty ambitious, I'd say. Yeah, it's like three years before SpaceX plans to have it be able to do it. Well, and everyone knows SpaceX's deadlines. That like they uh they set some crazy goals and they don't usually meet them. Yeah. So what they they say twenty twenty two. Yeah. It's probably and NASA said like twenty thirty two or something. So it's probably somewhere yeah. in between there if they actually make it or not. Um, I feel like Russian astronauts or cos or what do they call them cosmonauts. Or like sitting there, like they just get the memo, like, "Hey, get ready, you're going to Mars next year." <laughs> They're all gonna be like Dolph Lundgren, just this like crazy montage of their them training and yeah. <laughs> <Press> suits. <laughs> yeah. If I thought punching the t- punching the 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 machine, <laughs> steadily going up in count. Um, I don't. I see now. I can't. I've had this one pinned for a while, and I can't remember if we talked about it last time. But I'm gonna do it again. There's a reason they call it the Red Planet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, nailed it. Yeah. Um, Aurora news. Next. There's a new kind of Aurora on Earth, and its name is Steve. What? What's up, Steve? Steve is, Steve is a narrow east-to-west running ribbon of purple light, sometimes silvered, slivered with green. Um... 
Wait, do they do they name all auroras? This is new to me. I don't. No, this is a they, this is a new one. It's a, they've never they've never it's never been documented before. Is Steve like an acronym? Steve. Well, it was first it was first called Steve as a joke by the people who discovered it. Um, between 2015-2016, these citizen scientists um, were taking pictures and like sending it to uh, NASA. And then NASA looked over and was like, yeah, this is a new Aurora we've never seen. Um, and they kept the name Steve, but they I, I can't remember, I can't read where it says. Oh, here it is. Strong Thermal Emission Velocity Enhancement, Steve. Nice. Uh, so yeah, there's a new Aurora uh, called Steve. Look for that east to west. And you can see this one. Uh, it's most commonly found Southern Canada, Northern United States. Um, so that's, um, I don't think I have any more for space news. That's, that's all I had. That's pretty good for saying you didn't oh, have much. Well, I had also I marked down that, um, to do a rest in peace to, uh, Stephen Hawking who passed away. Right. Yeah. He went down, I don't uh, think we talked about that one. went down what? what? Pi day. Pi day. Yeah. April or no, 14th. Mar March 14th. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going to put his ashes on the next space launch. I think that's. At least that's what I remember hearing a while ago, that that's his, in his will well, I've seen him, to be launched in the space. He, he had a funeral and he had a coffin, but I don't know, maybe the coffin was this. Oh, they got a, well, yeah, but then they're going to cremate him. Just burn the whole coffin, cremate it, yeah. That's how, yeah, that's how you cremate people. Oh, is it? You cremate through a coffin, you do it? I I'm curious, you seen the, yeah, you seen the movies, they put the coffin in there, and they like. I always thought, what? You, I always thought you just fucking. Yeah, it has, it has to be done in a box. Really? Yeah. Why? What's, the, what's the difference? What a waste of a box! Perfectly good. Well, that co that coffin probably cost him ten thousand dollars. They'll probably too. they'll probably move him out. I don't know. Anyways, he does he deserves to go to space. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. To Shoot. rest among the stars. Float. That was really good. It sounded echoey too, Dan. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> that was not after. Uh, that was not post production. Mm. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, who wants to start on the on the Mayans? Well, tell us about your your trip. So you guys, the uh, the tour to Chichen Itza. Tell our tell our listeners, immerse oh. us in the experience. Yeah. Well, we had a, a fucking long ass bus ride. We, we had to get there. up before dawn. Before dawn, get on this little packed little where bus. Where did you start? Where Where did it start? Um, Puerto Morelos. Yeah, Puerto Puerto Morelos. I shouldn't have said that actually. And then. Uh, we headed on a bus to uh, the Yucatan province. I think that's what it is. No, we were already in the Yucatan. Oh, were we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we we delved deeper into the Yucatan. We stopped at a gas station that uh, served uh, salty snacks and had rogue dogs. <laughs> Neat. Yep. Um, we then piled back on the bus, drove for another hour uh, into the... What is the town? I don't even remember what the town's called. Is it Chichen Itza, the whole town there? I think the town was called. Chichen Itza as well. Um, we get there, you know, there, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big tourist trap now. But there wasn't too many people there when we first got there. And uh, I, I was really fucking annoyed when we got there too, because our guide, like, I just wanted to go in and see the temple, and he wouldn't stop fucking talking about, oh, the tree on the way in, and the and fucking rock, and this. Look, look at this hollow tree, and he's fucking knocking on. It. I was like, I didn't come here for this hollow tree. I don't care. Um, no fucking. It was. But he was he was getting mad because we could see the temple, 
peeking through the through the bushes and we kept we're trying to peek our way through and see it and he was you know in school and you're not paying attention and your teacher's like throwing stuff at you <laughs> daydreaming. yeah he was he was not getting a little mad but uh so we, we walked down it's dusty as fuck it's hot and then uh he's going on about these trenches and digging these trenches and i don't think anyone gave a fuck and we finally got to the opening and you just see it and it's like all of it was worthwhile. The whole like three hour trip there is, it, it it honestly looks like you're looking at a mirage. Like a, you're looking at a real life painting in front of you. It's not, it doesn't even look like it's there. It's weird. Yeah. Like, what'd you first think when you saw it? Well, yeah, the, the actual, the actual uh, pyramid itself is like just unbelievable. But the guy, yeah. the guide, like if you take out the first few things, he was actually a pretty good guide for like, Oh, hundred percent. He had like a, he definitely had a script. So he was talking about like, oh, the how like the fall of the Mayans. So like how no one really knows. There's like theories like either it's like starvation or drought or something, but really no one really knows for real. So his theory was like, he was just like, yeah, we think for some reason uh, the high society Mayans they just up and left and left all the like the peasants, and they're gone. And I was like, I was wearing my alien theorist shirt, and I just kept pointing to aliens as he was talking, <laughs> and he was like, he was just, he kept looking at me like. Well, uh, you know, that is one theory. Uh, a lot of people down here, a lot of people down here, because I guess in that area, the Mesoamerican er- like area, like the ancient time, like from uh, the Yucatan through Guatemala and Belize, a lot of these people still believe in like, they're way more, if they don't believe, they're way more open to believing in ETs mm-hmm. and like in ET intervention in that era at that time. So you can right. tell this guy, he really wanted to talk about it. But you know he had he probably had like his because he's part of like this big tour guide group or uh, company, so he has a script and he can't really veer from the script. But like he he took us through the whole thing. He took us through like the fucking the ball game, how that was played, and he showed right. us all the carvings. That's like seven high levels high level guys versus seven like slave guys, and it shows What's like the ball them. game. It's like pock to pock or something. It's called like pock to pock. Oh yeah, it's weird. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what that was called. Some people say they played with severed heads. That's myth. Play with a rubber a rubber oh. ball, but the it, they did sacrifice uh, not in all the games, but in the games in Chichen Itza, it was like the biggest court in that area of the whole Mayan Empire, and that was like a ceremonial game. So they they said they'd do it. Our guide said they would do it when, uh, like, if they were, I, I can't remember exactly what it said, but pretty much he, they would only do it on special occasions for ceremonies and stuff, and then they were, the loser. One of the slaves or whoever was playing, they'd get their heads chopped off and they'd be sacrificed. Right. Yeah, only one guy from the losing team. Yeah. So, so the big temple there, the big pyramid there. Now, uh, from my uh, research into the the Maya and that Mesoamerican culture, that like they had two different types of pyramids. You had pyramids that were for ceremonies and which were used regularly, and then you also had pyramids that were built but they never used them. They're only for like decoration or like you couldn't go. No one would really go in there except for like high priests and stuff like that. So which yeah. one was the big one that you guys went to? Yeah. Well, so, there was nothing. There was nothing in this one. Well, they there call it the, in it. They call it the Pyramid of Cuckoo Clan or Cuckoo Khan. Cuckoo Khan. Cuckoo Khan. Cuckoo Khan. Right. That's the feathered still, serpent, right? The feathered serpent. And that's the, they say it's similar to a Quetzalcoatl from uh, the mm-hmm. Aztecs, the same type of fucking yep. uh, deity, whatever they believe. Right. Right. But the, right. the temple of Kukukan is pretty much, it's an astronomical like marvel is what it is. It's like they built all their knowledge of astronomy into this mm-hmm. temple by like 
they had all the, the stairs on each side plus the temple equals 365, like the days in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have faces of nine sides, and that, or they have a when you divide them up with the stairwells, it's it adds up to eighteen, which is the like the Mayan calendar. You what was it called? The, the I can't remember what each one was called. There's also there's also those squares on the sides too, and there's fifty two of them. Yeah, yeah, for the weeks, and then on the the fucking equinox, the spring and fall equinox, for about, I think it's about twenty minutes. The way this fucking pyramid is, so all the other buildings in this in Chich- or Chichen Itza were like, orientated like north, like perfectly northwest, southeast kind of thing, but then this pyramid, is staggered off like so many degrees, just perfectly. So on the equinox, only a certain, yeah. only on when on sunset, fourteen degrees. Yeah, only on and then only on this fucking only on these two days a year, the way the sun sets through the sky, it casts a shadow down the step pyramid, and the step pyramid looks like a snake, and the snake slithers down the steps to the snake head carved at the bottom of the stairs, and then as the sun goes down, it it, it just creeps back down the stairs and meets back up at the head. It's so that's pretty much why it's one it's one of the new mo- like the uh, wonders of the world. This and they he they the guide told us that they did that because uh, when they saw the snake they knew it was time to either plant or harvest. Yeah, exactly. But even more impressive than that too, they had the I th- what was the one just to the left? It was I think it was the Temple of the Venus. Warrior. Oh, which which one? The Temple of the Warrior, and then yeah. the day before the snake, the day before you see the snake, the sunrise sits in a cradle. Perfectly. Perfectly that they've built. So if you're standing like in this one tower and you woke up in the morning and looked across and if the if sun's in that cradle you know the snake's coming the next day right yeah i think it was the same day what? it was the same day because the sun would rise in the east in the cradle and then when it set in the west is when you'd see the snake oh is it i thought it when he i thought he said it was a day before i can't remember that Maybe. i don't know i was too busy looking at that pyramid man. yeah i was i was like yeah continue what, what are you saying yeah pretty much and another crazy thing about that pyramid it was actually built on a prior pyramid, what they think, a smaller one. And it was also built on top of a cenote or a cenote, depending on who you talk to. That's how you pronounced them, which is just a big, if you haven't been to Mexico, they call them a cenote or cenote. It's just a big fucking underground. It's a lake that just leads underground pretty much. Yeah, sinkhole. It's big sinkhole with filled with fresh water. So they built, they could have built this thing anywhere, or you'd think they could build it anywhere. But they built it right on this fucking cenote, so they would have to like engineer it so it wouldn't sink into that. Which, in the same, if you go with the mine, like the actual history of the mines, no iron tools, like no metal tools, no wheels. They didn't use the wheel. Oh yeah, we asked. No pack animals. When we, yeah. when we asked them, we asked them about the iron tools. It was like, well, how did they make all these bricks so perfect? And he goes, oh, well, limestone's really easy to carve. So they just use other limestone. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because what if the piece you're hitting, like what if the piece you're hitting broke, like didn't break the way you wanted it to? Like, Start over. Start over. Take forever. They probably they like, probably oh, had yeah. some type of, they must have had like, because they have that uh, obsidian, which is not not obsidian like dragon glass from Game of Thrones. It's obsidian. Like, it looks, it's a glass, min- it? it's a glass mineral pretty much is what it is. Do you think that could break limestone? I don't know. I mean, we should try it. 
I mean, obsidian is, I mean, it's basically like glass, but it's, it's, it's really fragile. It's not something, I don't know if it's something you'd use as a carving tool, but yeah, that is one of the big mysteries of, uh, like these engineering marvels, a lot of the Mayan and, and Mesoamerican civilizations, they put up these huge pyramids and stuff and not, not just the pyramids themselves, but the actual complexes where these people built and where they, where they lived. Um, not counting just like, if you count, not just the the temple complexes like the ones that you went to, but the outside outside areas where they built things like apartment buildings, uh, defensive structures, all kinds of granaries, storage facilities and things like this. You have these huge, um, huge areas of land where they, they basically just changed the entire land of this this area. I mean, when you built in that kind of dense jungle, it, it's not it's not easy. And, and the, the other thing, when we were there, like we, ch- we try to point this out to the guide, like when he was saying how all this was built, that every other single structure there looks man-made. You look at that pyramid and it, it does not look the same. All the lines are perfect on that thing. The bricks are perfect. They all line up perfect. Everything else is all fucking jiggity-janked. What did you say it looked like? Uh, like a toddler drew with a crayon. Yeah. <laughs> and it... It like it, it just doesn't look right, and like every other building we'd go and we're like this looks like fucking trash. And then you'd walk and you'd see the big temple again, uh, the big pyramid again. You'd be like, it just like it it almost like glows. It's just so incredible to look at, and it, it's the, the lines. Everything's just so perfect. It doesn't look like it was made by anyone else who made anything around the pyramid. Uh, yeah, and they uh, a lot of people remarked on that. It's it's that. At the height of its development, which is uh, they say it's probably between about 250 to 750 AD, you had them building these incredible structures and things like this. And then as it, they had a steep decline uh, after that. About mm, they're saying around like 800 to 1000 AD. Um, there's evidence of like they said there's, there's drought. Um, there's a lot of evidence uh, in the surrounding area. I mean they use a lot of things. They base their their theories on things like the development of the rings and trees, you know, the thinner they are, the less moisture that the tree got that year. So some of the areas uh, like the tree rings are very small for a long period of time. So they're saying that there was a large drought at this area and over like a period of 100 or 80 years, they had these really bad droughts Um, and not just the formation of the tree rings, but also things like stalagmites, which stalagmites are formed by, uh, you know, water, limestone infused water dripping over a large period of time. If you have no water, your stalagmites don't grow right. uh, for a period. And it's the same thing as a tree. You cut them open, you can see where they grew. You say have rings on the inside. And these things are, when they collapse, they're saying that a lot of the the civilization they just kind of like left out of the area and then they built these like crappy little huts and these little agrarian societies like outside the areas so they left all the temple complexes and stuff like that and it's it's not just the huts though dan there's there's like huge there's like a huge church and a huge observatory like giant like huge structures but they they look like trash there's even there's even another smaller pyramid yeah even another pyramid mimicking a pyramid that it's, uh, looks garbage. Garbage. Okay, well, let's garbage. before before like we go any farther, we got to say that the pyramid itself is actually being refinished on the two sides. Yes. So what yeah. they did when they like when they found it originally, I guess I can't remember the exact years, but it was 
I think originally in the 1800s and they restored it the 19 early 1900s like 1930 or something. They started it and then they did it again like just 15 years ago or something. So what they did was they t- they took most of the, f- the facade stones off the two sides to just kind to of repair to the, repair first. the f- yeah. other two sides. So rich because I guess there was trees and shit growing through it and broke like a lot of the rocks off. So they took everything and they could refinish to make it look like it would have looked. So that that's kind of I think that's why it looked it looked so perfect on the two. That sides. makes sense. Yeah. But even, even, but I, and, even on the other sides though, if you would have went back before they removed mo- half the stones, it still looks ten times better than anything else there. Well, and it's not just that; it's the lines. Like when you look up the stairwell and you look you, like you look at the edges, it's they're perfect. And anything else looked like it'd been hit by a bomb. Yeah, like it's all jiggity jank, falling over. Nothing's level, like nothing's straight. Like even the fucked up sides were straight. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible that they would build in this area. I mean, like we said, building building in lowlands jungle area is not advisable usually to most people. It's it's not a lot of scholars argue that it's not it's not conducive to to large societies. You don't have very good topsoil to like plant crops and things. Um, and you constantly have to maintain it. That's the thing is that jungle will eat away at just about anything. You know, like a hundred years, you would probably be covered in trees and you wouldn't see anything. They say that probably about 90 to 95 percent of the actual Mayan civilization has actually been uncovered. A lot of it has just been eaten away by jungle or is covered and is still sitting there undiscovered. Well, yeah, like I talked about it on the news read, but Dan, you were, you were going to retouch on it. Is that lidar detection of like the like inc- like way like the mind's culture is actually way bigger than they thought? Uh, yeah, at least in some of the cities uh, we talked about it that recently about uh, 2017, uh, late 2017, uh, researchers were using light detection and ranging or lidar, and they found tens of thousands of previously undetected Mayan houses, buildings, defense works, and even some other pyramids um, in the jungles of that area. And they're saying that at first they only thought that they, it makes it even more incredible because like I said, these places don't seem conducive to large populations and they thought only a few million people lived in this area. But they're saying that some of their estimates now go from like a few million, maybe three or, or four million up to maybe 10 million in population. That's crazy. Which is pretty nuts that you could put that many people in an area where it's like people aren't supposed to live there <laughs> or it's not the best place to live. But they, the Mayans were able to just almost like terraform the entire place that they were able to just move, you know, change the entire landscape through their buildings and things like that. And you have to ask like, why, why would you do that? <laughs> it's so difficult. Like, yeah, why, why don't you there? just go move next to a river or something like that? You know? Well, one thing about that too, is the, like not only the placement of the pyramid over the cenote, but it also lines up with the stars of Orion and the Mayans were all about astrology uh, and their calendar predicts a lot of our eclipses uh, and meteor passes of Earth too. Yeah, it's so it's so crazy how like a, a civilization at that time, with like s- supposed no real advanced technology, could track the cycles of the solar system and the galaxy. Like they even knew the precession of the equinox to like really like really high precision, even to the point where our guide said that they predicted the solar eclipse of last year. The, well, yeah. the one that went through the states. Yeah, it's um, 
there the Mayan civilization was really, really revolved around the study of astronomy and astrology, like the movement of the planets and the stars, as well as they worked it into the astrology, like the effects stars have on humans. Their whole religion was built or their whole civilization was pretty much built around that knowledge. There's tons of carvings where they have um, the what they call their their high priests. Um like looking at the stars. So I'm assuming they, they would have these priests that all they did was study their, their types of mathematics, their, their, their predictions and things like this, building these calendars. And it, it's, it was their way of, they felt that that was their connection to the gods was being able to predict these events and being able to basically predict when the sun would come up one day. I think they actually, they started their days, like their days, the way they scheduled it is their day started at noon as opposed to starting over at midnight like we do. Right. Which was always kind of strange. Well, they think it's strange for us to do it that way, but you know, they, they had a different way of looking at it. And the fact that, you know, it's just the way I think it's just the way that their civilization worked. Whereas like Western civilizations for the longest time, it was just like, okay, the everything goes around the earth just leave it at that god's gonna deal with it where here it's like we have to understand this or we won't understand what our gods are telling us like we have to we have to watch the stars we have to be able to tell when we can plant our crops and things like that so i think it's a lot of it comes from that it's how advanced that they're it was just that it was endorsed the study of the stars and things like that it wasn't black magic or anything it was like we just have to do this when we were there when we were there dan I, the guys started talking about how like the Orion's belt perfectly at, at a certain time of year, you can stand at the top of the pyramid and, look, and it lines straight up. And Ryan started bringing it up. He's like, isn't that, cause we were trying to get him to talk about aliens the whole time. And we Ryan's like, it. isn't we that crazy? It. Like pyramids of Giza line up with Orion. Uh, this Peru, three cultures that never talk. They're all obsessed with Orion. He goes, crazy coincidence. Hey, and the guy was like, yeah, he's pointing at his alien shirt the whole time. The guy's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> everything you said, everything the guide said, like, it's all based on speculation. And he's always like, yeah, we think the high culture, for whatever reason, they just left and left the peasants to just, they just left the cities and they just went into the jungle and built their little huts and that was it. Dude, and then he started showing us that, like, the pictures where they, like, were trying to elongate their skulls and shit. I was, gonna, like, I was gonna talk it, about that yeah it's, it's crazy that's absolutely crazy like why like all the people of power all like the high class and stuff were trying to and he was like oh they were trying to do this so that the the peasants would uh think that they were closer to god or look like gods and it's like so what are they what are they trying to what have they seen that they're trying to mimic yeah. yeah, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of not just that one, but cultures like in Peru and, and other and even some Asian cultures like head binding was was done to um, even I think some places in Egypt, Egypt like having Africa, that elongated. Yeah. yeah. Having that elongated skull it was a sign of either nobility or yeah, closeness to the gods. Um, and why it's like, why would you do that? Like, it doesn't make any sense yeah. for me. I'm like, I, I don't know why. And, and it, even if it were like, okay, maybe there was like a really great king who was born with a, a skull deformity and it looked like that. And, and you're trying to, to mimic that. Even then it's like, well, wouldn't that be recorded somewhere? Like, oh, this king was born with this weird 
messed up head and we've all done it because he was really great so if we make our heads like that we'll be great well that was but nowhere in the historical record is it really like well that's the crazy thing about the mayans right is because they only have like really four written scriptures of the history the rest is in carvings and that, yeah. that was after like conquistadors came through and like it started off like they pretty much they accidentally wiped them out kind of and then eventually they, I yeah. this, he was telling me the story of this one this one guy and he pretty much came and just burned everything that he found he started oh, yeah. he started yeah off they had um they had a bunch of codices that had recorded all their astronomical knowledge and we burned all of them except like four yeah there was, and there was probably hundreds of them yeah and they're all gone so like a whole like the civilization is not even com- compared to like the rest of the world if you take their like carbon dating of the sites which is not necessarily exactly when they existed but it's when they found material material at that certain level where they dug but at 900 AD was when they like the like the the modern uh mines fell like when the the height of their civilization was about 900 AD right so that's not that long ago and we've just lost fucking everything about it the whole culture just like is all just a mystery it's so weird okay so we got to get back to some other things like so the temple it's it the equinox is the shadow comes down uh it lines up perfectly with orion um everything built on it is built for a reason the stones add up to weeks days everything and then if you stand at the base of the stairs and a couple steps back, you can do you can clap, and it makes this like wicked weird like clap back like ooh, ooh. like I can't even make the noise. It sounded like remember in Jurassic Park when the Velociraptors communicate with each other. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Like, like that. That's, that's what it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounded like. And like we we when we were standing at the pyramid and we were like fucking around with all that, we're like. There's no way that everything's a coincidence. Like, oh, they, you know, they built this perfectly like this. But I was like, that's the one thing that we were like, this could potentially be a happy coincidence. But I think they would, I think they would have built it that way. So, like, if you had a high priest that were trying to get somebody's attention, like if you're trying to make noise and get people's attention, I would think you'd want it uh, like some kind of acoustic thing going on there. Well, what they really said, what they think it's for is there was a time when like the Mayan culture meshed with like a culture and, and like an Aztec culture. And this, mm-hmm. and this bird was the Aztec was their bird. And it was like a merging of the cultures. So the snake was like the Mayans and the bird sound was the Aztecs. It was like a joint. They say it was, they said it was like a joint empire for a while. So they said that they, right. built, they built that pyramid. So it would replicate the sound of this, of this other empire's bird. It was like a meshing of cultures. They're That's like, so cool. So you, what, what you would have to do, so you would hear this bird. You, there, you couldn't record the sound, as far as we know, right? So you had to memorize, you had to mem- <laughs> yeah. you had to memorize what this bird sounds You have to know what this bird sounds like. <laughs> you have a bunch of people walking out. Oh! 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 <laughs> then you're just trying to figure out, like, okay, so it doesn't sound exactly right. Okay, take that one ton block and move it, like, a fraction to the left. No, that's, then- <laughs> they would have to know the acoustic... <laughs> No, they they would have to know the acoustic properties, like how to make that sound when they started building it, right? To get each step perfectly for the pyramid to line up perfectly. Right. Like you couldn't That's have been nice. halfway and like, oh, we have to change every step by, you know, one centimeter now. No, you because can't do it, that. it has to line up with the equinox. Because like, th- just to even pretend that they knew and they planned this out, the patience, 
because you would have one shot every year to make a measurement and you would never know if it was going to be perfect until you were done and then it was perfect i wonder how many times they built it and then took it down and rebuilt it a couple degrees to the left keep moving in (laughs) better luck next year guys you would have you would have literally one shot you would have minutes before the sun moved that's what i mean man it's it's they had it's that thing perfect. They had that thing perfectly dialed in when they started the foundation. There was no on the way up. They changed stuff because it's all perfect from the first step to the last. It's all perfect the whole way up. And you're like, so they knew what angle of stairs they would have to build to have that sound frequency replicate back at that tone to make that that sound. Like, yeah, and there's actually the funny thing is like. Some of this, the explanation for these things, if you, if you, if you, we can go ahead and, and posit that they got this knowledge from somewhere, if it wasn't, if it wasn't native knowledge, if they didn't acquire this, you know, in the, the way that we, knowledge is usually acquired by like trial and error, then they got this knowledge from somewhere or someone else. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're going to point to the aliens on the t-shirt. It's like, why not? And some of the explanation, I think, can be if you look at the the Mayan creation myth is to me when I when I when I read it, it's 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 almost eerie, like how it lines up with some some of the things. And it could easily be used as you could say that, well, maybe it was this. For for example, um, they have uh they have like their 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 creation starts with about like six gods. There's like six deities, and then um, and they all kind of lived on this giant primordial ocean. And then another overarching god named like Huracan, which is the Spanish for hurricane, came down and uh, blew a wind across this primordial ocean, and then they raised up the the earth from that ocean. So these deities basically, after they had established the land and they had uh, uh, created plants and animals decided that they needed people to worship them since animals didn't speak they're like well we need people who can worship us so these deities decided to create the first human beings and they used mud and they said they used mud but these these first humans they said had no souls and and therefore could not worship and they were also very very vulnerable to water so they destroyed them in a great flood of course which is which is like a flood. The flood myth is well, like all these, all these religions, right? All these religions have a great flood myth, and this is no different. Which is very, you know, it's a little bit eerie how they line up. Uh, then they said they created a second human, basically, and this one they made out of wood. But they said that these people couldn't worship either, and so they were also destroyed. And that these people, the ones that did survive, became the monkeys in the trees. And if you wanted to get real nuts, like those could be Bigfoot. Oh Maybe. shit. Maybe. So after that, um, after all that, you had uh, a period where they had the uh, about the two amazing. Basically, the Mayan culture revolves around these two like amazing twins uh, called Huanapu and Jabanque. If I got that right, I'm pretty sure. Close enough. Their their myth is pretty it's pretty freaking metal. Basically, their father was killed by the lords of the underworld of Jabalba, the the lords of the underworld, and um, 
they they basically grew up and became great ball players of the the this Mayan sport that they had the ball players and they challenged the lords of Shibulba to a ball match and ended up tricking them all and uh defeating them um in order to uh bring back their father basically um now after all this happened they created the third race which is us and they said that they created us out of corn and they used white and yellow corn because corn was precious to them and the way it is the maze is the only way to the substance that ultimately succeeds in producing true and enduring humans which is strange but. interesting well andrew had made a comment when we were there and we were we were told that story uh and andrew was like it's weird how all the religions also have like two brothers right like cain and abel and then these two guys there's always so many similarities between so many religions yeah, and it's like not even like these ones. Like, I mean, you could say in Western religions that you know Odin and and the the Jewish God are closely intertwined. A lot of pagan mythology got woven into uh, Christian mythology and stuff like that. But like a civilization that was nowhere near these ones and developed pretty much exclusively by itself away from Western mythology, and they still have a flood myth. So cool. I it's yeah, and also the fact that they had these. Different. Even the uh, the ancient Sumerians um, had when they had their stories of the Anunnaki, like the Anunnaki had created like a prototypical prototype humans or the ones that were that were also part animal or something like this. And they wanted to destroy them uh, because they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Like you have all of these stories from different cultures where there was another race created before us and they were destroyed either by flood or by the gods. And if you, you know, take those all together and you could extrapolate that maybe it was a, it was a global event. Like they created us oh, man. after the fact. Okay. That's, you know, that's a great theory. We got to take a quick break cause I'm going to pee my pants and then we're, we're going to theorize on that because I got some points that, that mesh perfectly with that. So we're going to stop right, right, right here. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Everyone's uh, cleared their bladders of beer. Yeah. And uh, ready yeah. to go. Ready to roll. So yeah, so we're talking about uh, how all these like cultures su- supposedly not connected by anything. You got like the Incans, the Mayans, the Aztecs. Well, I guess the Aztecs and Mayans are connected, but you have Egypt, right? All these places around the world, all with similar stories of like creation and similar methods of building. So this kind of brings me to uh, the Olmecs. Now, if you don't know who the Olmecs are, they were like they predate Aztec and Mayan civilization, and no one really knows anything about them. They know less about the the Olmecs than they do about any other culture of that area. So all they've really found from the Olmecs is like some old like foundations of some farmhouses and stuff. But then they found like the one thing they found that was super artistic is they found these gigantic heads. I don't, I'm not sure how many of they found now, but it's like couple dozen or something and these heads are like between 10 and 20 tons and the facial features they actually like the facial features they say they resemble like people from africa right they don't resemble like they don't look like the mind people of that era of that time so they're thinking that these whoever carved these heads of statues they're actually probably they may have migrated from africa at one time and they don't they can't really date how old the stone is right because they weren't really buried 
So you can't, it's really hard to get an accurate date on stone if it's not like buried with like um, organic sediment, like leaves or anything yeah. else. Yeah. I, what is it? Carbon dating only works when there's carbon. If there's no carbon, like in the rock and stone, like solid stone doesn't have much carbon in it. So you can't really get an accurate date on, on when those things were carved. No, like, and so that's, a lot of people say that's like, why carbon dating that Cheech needs is bogus when he was telling us that. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to, even if you do carbon date stuff, like you have to carbon date stuff around that area and hope that it's accurate. But sometimes, like, if especially if stuff's buried, a lot of times, like sediment can move, or if there's a sudden shift uh, in the area, like the area of strata, like you can mix up the, you know, you can mix up stone or something was buried next to it that wasn't from the same era, it could be all wicked, messed up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when like when people say like. Oh yeah, we carbon dated uh, this around this temple, and we think it's from about seven nine hundred A.D. or something. Or they say it's from like one thousand B.C. You're like, well, you're not actually because you can't carbon date. You can you can date the stone with different methods, right? You, it's not carbon dating. I can't remember. There's like a few different methods, but they that's like dating like long term. Like we're talking millions of years, because that's like time like geological time is way, much different than organic time, right? So a rock mm. a rock will form a billion years ago and finally get pushed pushed to the surface like. Two million years ago and they can kind of say like oh from this time period like judging by this sediment from the volcanic ash and shit we can find this much phosphate or something in the rock and then that we can tell it's like two or two to six million years old right so like huge right. huge variation of time like two to six million years is like just a, a lot of era a lot of uh area for for uh questioning in there but you yeah know, you got it, all, all these sites so you have like these olmec people and if we go with it, like, I've, I'm always talking about this guy, Graham Hancock, because his, his theories are fucking amazing. Yeah, you fucking love him. I fucking love this guy. Why don't you marry him already? I would. You know what? I, I would. I, I don't care. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Hancock? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, so this guy. <laughs> no. Like, so his theory is, I've said it a million times. Let's go really quickly. He thinks that about, you know, 12,000 years ago, at the time when a, a, he equates that this was the time of the bib biblical flood, like the biblical deluge or the great flood that happened in all these ancient cultures. And he's, he's now equated this, that there was an, a comet, a fragmented comet that struck the polar ice caps, northern polar ice caps, and instantly changed the global climate like overnight almost and wiped out a lot of these cultures. And so, so say these cultures got super advanced before then and they were building insane structures. After this flood, the remaining, like, because all, all their big cities, all their coastal cities would have been wiped out. So say right now, like, sea levels rose 300 feet overnight because the fucking ice caps completely melted. Like, all our major cities pretty much are gone, right? Mm -hmm. So his theory is, like, at that time, a lot of, a lot of their cities were on the coast. And then this, his theory is that these guys like Quetzalcoatl, right, the gods that came back, the gods that came from the sea, and they came bearing the gift of knowledge and all this shit to the people of that time. These people were just like, had been wiped out over a hundred years. Say this thing, it took a hundred years for these people to cycle back through the earth and like re-spread the knowledge. So by, that by the time they got back to the cultures that they once were part of, to like reseed knowledge, all the technology had been forgotten. So then that's like the start of, like the start of, of all like uh, mythology is always about, oh, the great flood, the great deluge, the gods, the gods did this and the earth was whip, like whipped clean or whatever. So yeah, what, what, even in the, one of the 
another part of the Mayan creation myth is that the gods felt that the humans that were created from corn, like the final humans, they felt that they were too smart and that the gods actually bred, they breathed some kind of fog into the eyes and took away a lot of the knowledge that the humans had had before uh, when they were originally created. So even that kind of lines up as well. Yeah, like that, that kind of theory of like there once perhaps may have been a global spanning civilization. When I'm, I'm not talking like civilization like us, like like digital technology and all that shit, but some type of they either could, they could traverse the seas and they seeded knowledge all over the world at the same time period and some type of cataclysm wiped that species out and we've just forgotten all knowledge of that time, right? Yeah, I mean, even if you look at civilizations or, you know, uh, relatively recent civilizations, even like Egypt, like how far their knowledge came within like the thousand years that they've been around, that was just like a thousand, two thousand years or what, the pyramids are what, 3,000 years old? Well, yeah, and, 2,500 it, BC, they said, the Great Pyramid. Right, so so they've been around a long time, and just the, the span of the knowledge that they acquired in that time in both astronomy and math and, and architecture and things like that, you can imagine even if there was a, a society that was around before this great cataclysm that was only, they were around for maybe a couple thousand years and had advanced that far and they managed to survive and then respread their knowledge around I don't think it's that far of a stretch like humans but modern modern history is only around like what 10,000 not even man. 5, like, like a like 5,000 years like the Syrians like I think five or six thousand years is like that's like the, the closest we yeah. can say like around that time like civilization started and farming started and like that's when we started advancing right and yeah. then all of a sudden like shortly after that like a thousand or two thousand years later what they say is, all, oh, they're building the, the greatest mega structures the world has ever seen. And then yeah. we just lost it all. It's all just disappeared. We don't know what, what happened to it. Yeah, and you're fine. I mean, they're finding a lot more structures around the world now that they're uncovering that, that had seemed to me to be lost. I mean, there's a couple in what is it, in Southeast Asia. They found pyramids that are or they think they're pyramids. They look that everyone thought that they were natural structures. And that right. they were just like a mountain or a, a really, you know, funny looking hill. But, you know, people are starting to excavate some of these places like, wait, no, these were these were actually structures built by a, a civilization. And as more as this stuff comes to light, you know, it, it might come to see that we were around a lot longer or at least intelligent humans were around longer than we actually thought. Yeah, it's crazy because they thought like the rich, like a few years ago it was like, OK, Modern humans, like with our brain capacity and our like body structure, have been about two hundred thousand years. That's a long time. If we were, the, if we're, we had the same brain capacity then that we do now, what was stopping civilizations from forming every five, ten thousand years, being reset by some who, whatever could be anything, uh, like a, yeah. a great famine, great flood, like just a, a complete loss of knowledge. It takes a few hundred years for like people to reset and they start like the stone age again. They build back up three, 4,000 years. They get to a point, they start building the shit. Oh, they get wiped out. And then within like, within a thousand years, like say humans today, for some reason we all just fucking just vanished off this planet. just overnight. Like within five, 500 or a thousand years, there's not much trace of us left. Right. Oh. Like it's, it's all our wood structures are gone. All our plastics been reabsorbed into the ground, broken down and brittle. Like the only thing that's going to be left is like our foundations of our giant buildings. The the steel in the buildings will like evaporate away and rust away or oxidize. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's fucking. And it's crazy. 
it's that's like if you had like a global catastrophe i don't think it's, it's hard to comprehend but if something like that did happen and or you, know, you have a huge comet smacking into earth and wiping out all life i mean it's hard to understand like the loss that we would have or you know the challenge of rebuilding i mean on a small scale you can look at the fall of the roman empire or the western roman empire like when when they you know when rome was sacked for the final time and and europe fell into the dark ages you lost a ton of knowledge um and things that were just just gone you know the fall of a, a, just a, a society like that and that's just like human cost yeah you know the knowledge was set back maybe like 300 or 400 years just losing all that knowledge and, and the the organization of an empire and that's just one society and it's like if we're an actual global catastrophe something like that like i'd be pretty bad <laughs> send you all the way back that that far like it's almost in it's incomprehensible me. <laughs> yeah, so it's like when they say, like, okay, the Mayans, okay, there's scientific evidence that stalactites formed slower during this period, so therefore there wasn't enough water, and then the society just dried up. Like, it sounds nice, but at the same time, they're like, there's nothing, nothing written about the end of the Mayan civilization. It's so crazy. It just fucking, it's like they just evaporated. Yeah, just, just gone. You think if if you're that if you have a, a an area where you can ha- house ten million people, because right now that mine, the mine Riviera, like where we just were, all oh, they had the underground, they have so much underground water, it's unbelievable, right? Yeah, it's I everywhere. don't know if it's is it the the cenotes and stuff, but is that can you consume that? It's can all you drink it's that? All cr- like crystal clear fresh water. It's like cleaner than most water you'd find in it, any creek or it's anything. It's actually spectacular. I yeah. Uh... Jumped in a couple while I was there. Yeah, this, yeah it's take crazy. a couple, take a couple drinks by accident. Take a couple, sips. Cu- couple by accident, jumping <laughs> off the cliff. But um, so back to Chichen Itza. The other thing that really was absolutely mind-boggling is all around the pyramids, they built these like really low structures that like hundred, like without a doubt, had you just sent me a picture, and you're like, oh, what does this look like? It looks like they look like fucking helipads. Yeah. All lined up with the stairs, so if something could land and then walk right across this field and up into the temple, like they're it's weird, and they're all over the place. These little landing pads. Hmm. Yeah, they, that's strange. They, they, to look at it. they were made. They the <laughs> explanation was they were for sacrifice, right? Okay. But in, where ever everywhere every everywhere else where there was sacrifice like sacrificial places, there was like a, a weird like seat with like a human that was like arched perfectly, so a person could like arch their back in and have their fucking heart cut out or the head cut off, right? Yeah, the old Kali Ma statue. Yeah. But these, <laughs> but these like, they were just like mini little pyramids, right? With just a flat top. They were not very high, yeah. but they're just high enough to be like, okay, you're raised off the ground and then just like paid flat, like a flat top. And you're like, what was that for? And he tried to give some explanation. I just pointed my shirt again. Aliens. <laughs> and he's like, well, uh, I don't know. Like well, maybe, man. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> The only other thing I wanted to touch on is too is like in I remember we we walked through the um, the arena and he was showing us all these um, like the remnants of like the carvings in the stone and like you got to think so much has been lost like so much of the information of this stuff has been lost in time because he's like well the snake like snakes represent life and giving and I'm like well usually snakes are like representatives of like death and evil and there's like this one carving that was like 
we're looking and he says, oh, this is, it shows the loser of the game. They cut off his head and they're like, oh, and snakes are coming out as a sign that like it's giving life. The sacrifice is giving life to everywhere. And I'm like, well, in my head, I'm like, well, snakes have always evil. Like to me, that looks like they've, they've got someone, they've cut off their head and like realize like the, and the evil's pouring out. That's what it looked like to me. It was well, yeah, in Western cultures, I mean, because that's in the Bible, is the devil was the took the shape of a snake to tempt Eve, and a lot of that is, you know, snakes are bad. But in those ones, like in the in the Mesoamerican cultures, like snakes are seen, you know, a lot of places they're seen as a rebirth because they could shed their skin and their life, and and a lot of part of the human sacrifice had to do with them giving back to the gods like you couldn't rebirth or uh or shed their skin like there's some sort of half-breed alien man lizard man <laughs> yes reptilian? like lizard man reptilian like the reptilian like the reptilians and but a lot of their a lot of their culture was their the mythology was built on sacrifice like you had to give back to the gods uh something and bloodletting and and human sacrifice was the best way to do it yeah, no. Or were they trying to weed out who is human and who's not? <laughs> well, hmm? well, uh, were you there? Were you there, Dan? Were you there? I wasn't. <laughs> That's what I thought. No, but on the topic of snakes, though, like they uh, they did make a snake as their like symbol of the equinox, so maybe it was it was for good in their culture. But yeah, who who really knows? It's really it's really up to so interp- they, interpretation. They, they cut off a guy's head to release all the good out of him. They should release the snakes. No, the good was uh, the good was. The, they had the people who were made of snakes. Maybe <laughs> there were people who were made of snakes, entirely made of snakes. Could very and they were evil talking snakes. It's, it's the snakes on a plane uh, sequel. <laughs> Aha! No, it's like whatever, whatever, um, way, whatever way you break it down, the Mayans. Are just like full of mysteries and no one really knows oh. how they got because like okay i get you have your like your astronomical knowledge of like the equinox and the solstice and stuff because like that's something you can witness like year after year the same the same the same but they also have no knowledge of the procession of the equinox it was like the w- the wobble of the tilt of the earth right yeah every like five thousand years or so it points to a different constellation just a little bit yeah. and it rotates through the 12 so they know about that so in, in order to know one one cycle of the fucking equinox or the procession, you would have had to been around like, I don't know, what's the full cycle of the procession? Like 32,000 years to actually know exactly where the Earth's going to point every time? Yeah, and they were doing all these calculations and they were making all these these notations and observations when Europe was still like rolling around in the mud. Exactly. Like they were, they were so far beyond this without, without wheels, without, you know, they don't have, I'm assuming they don't have telescopes. You don't have any of the instruments that you think a person would need. And you were just doing this by how, by, by, I, I'm not saying that they're not smart. Like maybe, yeah, maybe they just were really good at it, but it's really hard to, to think about just being able to do all that stuff when, when our calendars right now are not even as accurate as theirs yeah with like, like we're, we're close with all our like with our space telescopes and all our astronomy and like we like we know the same stuff as, as them now with all our stuff we know and now. we are just getting close to their calculations we yeah. are just I, getting close to their I, their predictions i'm saying you get engineers and they plan to build a structure 
that the same thing with the shadows on a certain day. And I'm telling you, that day comes where they're going to test it once it's built. It's fucked up. Something's fucked up on it. Yeah, it won't make the sound either. <laughs> Do it again. Not, yeah, they're like, oh, it's not quite right. That's what I mean, man. The the level of pre precision in the building of that pyramid in uh, Chicken Itza is unmatched only by like a, a few other sites in the world. It's insane. It was absolutely spectacular to go to, though. I highly recommend if you're in Mexico, anywhere you are, if you uh, can pay for a tour or get there, go see it. It's worth it. Try to go on the Vernal Equinox. That's when it does the snake thing. Yeah, we missed it by two days. We did, unfortunately. <laughs> And Dan, I want I want to talk about one more thing, and I think you mentioned that you knew about it. Was like the that one carving in the one temple that sh sim may symbolize like a guy on a spaceship or something. Oh yeah, that's one of the. I mean, if you're into the ancient astronaut theory, uh, one of the other Mayan cities uh, that's popular in that 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 circle is Palenque, and Palenque is um, a city where. Uh, they found this this large carving, and it was discovered by a French Mexican archaeologist named Alberto Rio. And in this temple, which they call the Temple of Inscriptions, they found the sarcophagus for one of the one of the great kings of that city, whose name was Pakal the Great. And he actually, from the record that they could, from what they can get of from Mayan documents, he ruled for like an unusual amount of time. Maybe he was around for like eighty years, which was pretty long. In, in the time of, of rulers and things like that, you probably lived to like maybe like 40 or 50. Um, but in, in this carving, it's, it's pretty like the quintessential one for the ancient astronaut theory is you have uh, what mainstream scholars see as him uh, ascending or descending into the ascending from or descending to the underworld. Uh, through the great tree because the Mayans believed in a, a kind of a, a world tree uh, like Yggdrasil or whatever from the Norse mythology. But they believed that there was a world tree that connected all of the levels of the reality of, of, of our reality. And, um, but other people have seen it as when you look at it, it, it seems to look like he's piloting some sort of craft. Like he's, it seems like he's got his hands on some sorts of instruments. There's a lot of like, unintelligible drawings around him and stuff like that. And uh, some people even say that part of it, it looks like a breathing apparatus is over his nose. And I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you look it up and it's, it's hard to, you look up ancient astronauts or ancient aliens like that. Well, that one will pop, pop up, but it's funny because um, the Mayans represent um, the underworld and things like this as the, the, the world tree, but they also, they say in some texts that the Mayans interpreted as the Milky Way. So huh. even then, it's even more interesting to draw the connection that, well, if the world tree is the Milky Way, then maybe he was going somewhere in some sort of craft or something to the Milky Way. Crazy. Yeah. So it's the, 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 like we said, the Mayans, the Mayan culture is only we've only covered uncovered maybe like 90 to 95 percent of their or you know there's still 90 to 95 percent of their cult their civilization that we haven't uncovered yeah there's still so much in there and not in just the area on the guatemala uh, the yucatan peninsula like you have areas which like archaeologists can't even get to because of you know it's just like it's humidity or jungle 
it's complete jungle or you have like you know all the kinds of gorillas and and jaguars not gorillas, like not the, not jaguars. the, ooh, not the ooh, ooh gorillas but the bang bang gorillas right yeah bang bang <laughs> <laughs> Not the ooh-ooh, but the bang-bang. <laughs> and if we can someday get into those areas, like you might find out a lot more. And I don't even think they've completely um, like interpreted or completely translated all of the, the, the Mayan language because the Mayan language, is the actual writing is fairly complicated or rich because they used both, like they used phonetic complements they use like things like you know like abc they use shapes to represent words but they also had pictures that meant whole words so the word for jaguar when you're written it you drew a picture of a jaguar or you drew the picture of a head of a jaguar but then if you wanted to put words on it or put letters next to it you put other these little dots and lines um so i don't think any of it's been completely translated which is pretty neat so there's lots more to discover. So if you're listening to this and you're going into university and you want to, you know, become an archaeologist or you think that everything's been discovered and there's no new stuff to find, there's lots of new stuff to find. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was there was a kid in Ontario or Quebec, I think, that just found a Quebec pyramid. pyramid. <laughs> Quebec. Oh, was that was that? No, what was it? On Google Maps or whatever. Yeah, he used like a like star maps and Google Maps, and he found. Yeah, that was a big thing a while ago. Yeah, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're always finding something new weekly or almost daily. Like, there's always something like, oh, we thought it was this. Turns out, uh, now it was this. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, Back in back in 2015, there's a there's another city, and they're not sure whether it's it's Mayan or Aztec. Uh, They're not really sure. There's another city that's Teotihuacan, which people have probably heard before. And this one, just in like 2015, they found underneath one of the main, the the temples of the, one of them, the Temple of the Feathered Serpent, Temple of Quetzalcoatl, they found underneath it was like liquid mercury that they had yeah. seemed like they had intentionally built this temple over the liquid mercury. And they had found a tunnel that was underneath it um, that they built underneath that went to the bottom of the temple. And they found tons of things. And this is just the last couple of years. They found tons of uh, like uh, idols and and artifacts and like there's just so much more that we need to find out and there's so much more stuff to find you know so if you're planning into going into that field like don't don't worry about people finding all the good stuff like there's tons of more to find oh 100 percent 100 percent um what else what else we got about the mayans that's pretty much uh that's pretty much all i had to talk about yeah, I think that's I think that's all I had to talk about too. I had more just chicken pizza I wanted to talk about. <laughs> there, I was reading too. There was a there's if you draw a line from chicken pizza or chicken pizza, uh, and you draw it basically straight uh, west into central Mexico, uh, eleven hundred kilometers, you'll get to uh, a miniature chicken pizza. Oh, really? Yeah. Some type of mirror image. Yeah, like a mirror one, but smaller, like a miniature world. How miniature? Like Lego size? No, not <laughs> Lego size. Bigger than Legos. Was it a temple complex for for mice? No, no, bigger for bigger than ants, bigger than mice, probably small humans. Um, 
Yeah, man. That that whole area down there is just wild. Like, so much mystery and just so much like thicket forest. Just the, yeah, we went, middle of nowhere, really. I did a I did an excursion uh, afterwards, and like we had to go do this mine ceremony, and this guy's like talking about Mayan culture and my he's like oh I'm Mayan and we're, this guy's Mayan and he started telling me he's like oh just like every other civilization the Mayans believed the earth was flat and I was like well how, did they really because it doesn't seem like it seems like they had a lot more knowledge than than anyone else about the earth and the rotation of the planet and it seems like they wouldn't think it was flat and I was like didn't they like look at the stars he's like no no, uh, he just he was just completely <laughs> was like, okay. completely backwards to so everything everything else. <clears throat> yeah, I was like, oh okay, well, told me I was he, just at chicken pizza and that guy probably listened to Case File Forty Two and he got convinced real quick. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I didn't I didn't bite into it too much, but I was like, ugh. Um, anyways, that's all I had. Anyone else got anything else? It's unsolved, man. Not not without dabbling on for another hour or two so hey did you um did you check into uh the live recording did it turn out at all are we gonna be able to use any of it oh yeah well we did do a live uh a live recording just immediately immediately after our tour guide left us at chicken pizza our first uh it's our first of our ongoing series uh att on location uh next one will be 2023 Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> that's a, that's good. Every that's five good. years, we can afford to go somewhere cool. Yeah. <laughs> and and record a brief 15-minute podcast on four different iPhones. In the wind. Oh, sorry. In the wind. Sorry, it was two different iPhones, but it was about 25 minutes. And actually, the wind is not too bad in it. But uh, I'm not going oh, to be releasing it for uh, onto our mainstream. I think I was going to do Patreon only because the quality is not great. No, that's fair. So if uh, you but, um, get on Patreon. Yeah, I was gonna say if you uh, if you want to hear it, if you're donating to donating to our Patreon, like we almost have, we have quite a few people now. All those people are gonna hear it. So if you want to get in on it, go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/AlienTheorists. And if you've never used Patreon, it's super easy. It is pretty much just a artist uh, supporting your favorite artists, whether it be podcast, music, or whatever it is. You pledge so much per month, we take that money and we hey, uh, we buy beer with it. If if everyone who listened gave one dollar, we could do this full time almost. Oh no, we could. We could do it. Hundred percent. If, if everyone gave one dollar a month, twelve dollars a year, we could do it full time. We'd be traveling to fucking uh, Giza tomorrow, doing a live <laughs> a live location pod All there. Right. Well, maybe not tomorrow. I don't but know about tomorrow. Yeah. One, once, if everyone donated, <laughs> not tomorrow. I got, I got something to do. I got, I'm busy. We could, we could go once yeah, a year. I'm not allowed <laughs> to leave Canada. Um, yeah. yeah, it's true. Okay, well, um, you, you know, if you've been listening this far, you know where to find us: uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, wherever. Aliantheorist.com. Um, anywhere you find podcasts, but if you're listening to this, you already found podcasts, so that's useless. Um. Tell five friends. Anything else? Oh, Zell, do you have a prolapser of the week? Oh yeah, we got, we got a few things left here. I got well, I got my prolapser oh, okay. of the week. Of the week, I'm gonna give it to. Oh man, it's a it's a toss up here. Got a couple new guys. Let's go over to uh, 
Scott R. McFeeders. He's been uh, he's been sending us a bunch of stuff on on Facebook here. So if you want to be Zell's prolapser of the week, you pretty much just send us stuff repeatedly, and eventually you get picked. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes. Um, what, what else you got? Well, we got. Uh, I got some like oh, mini ATT stuff. Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, me and Dan were talking about this before the show. This is uh, the segment called Dan Knows, and he's going to break everyone's theories apart that he thinks are complete bogus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's some of our some of our prolapsers have sent us in some stuff, some really cool stories and things. And uh, sometimes, actually, the, the information uh, about these things is, is more interesting than the actual story. So I like to look into some of them. Uh, we got this one story that uh, our listener, Michael Fenton, sent us about a mysterious spherical object absorbing energy from the sun. And we can, um, this was back in 2012. And it shows, if you watch the video, it shows what looks to be a spherical object darkening like the outer layers of the sun and seeming to siphon off some sort of energy from the sun. And um, I just wanted to go into that. I was like, that's, that's not right. <laughs> um, uh, the video was actually taken by a, NASA's Solar Dynamics S Observatory, which is it's called the SDO. And the SDO is super cool. Uh, it's a satellite uh, imaging um, satellite that they use. And it basically is always pointing at the sun. They use it to observe the sun. And it has like 13 different cameras, which all shoot in different spectrums um, of light to observe the sun. Uh, when you look at the video that they're using, the actual dark kind of spindle you see coming out of the sun is actually a type of uh, it's cooler ion particles they are usually uh, they call them prominences if you've looked into solar stuff um it's kind of like a solar flare but not really and they, they're actually pretty common uh when you look at the video you think like oh you know but it should just go out and there shouldn't be this weird little circle thing well actually the prominences happen in kind of like a ribbon when they shoot out so they kind of happen over a couple hours um and so what you're actually looking at is a like you like you're looking down a tube so it's like you're kind of looking at the the top of the arch um like down it and then you're seeing the other part of the arch kind of arc out um in front of you. So it's just kind of the angle at which they're taking the footage of the sun. So it's not a uh, UFO siphoning off our sun's energy or harnessing some, you know, too bad. There you have it. <laughs> that's, Dan, that's... Dan taking the magic out of everything once again. <laughs> Hashtag Dan knows. <laughs> Thing shoots 13 spectrums of light. That's super cool. Pretty I don't know. <laughs> I think it's really neat. Um, we got another one that we got from a uh, listener. Jessica Donnie Gomez sent us a uh, pretty much a little Twitter story about this mysterious voicemail um, that somehow uh, they linked to the list, the missing Malaysia flight MH370. Now, if oh, you watch, yeah, if you watch the video, it's kind of creepy. It sends out this kind of the the phonetic military call sign alphabet, and it's like Delta Lima uh, Shield. Uh, yeah, Shield's not one of them. It's Sierra Fresh. Um, well, that's no, that's uh, uh, you're not a wrestling fan. Oh, uh, what? There's a faction: Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins. No one cares. They were the Shield, and their theme song was that. But then it went. It was like Delta, Alpha, Shield, Dana, Dana, and then they come out. 
fell on deaf ears. That's awesome. Yes, That's it did awesome. fall on deaf ears, 100%. But this this little Twitter story was posted by a Twitter user known as Ty. And if you look, if you look into this, if you research it a little bit, um, actually Snopes posted on this, Snopes.com, which is a pretty um, nice debunking website. Uh, they looked at this and they, they're basically, well, they went into it. This guy who posted it, as soon as he posted it, afterwards, shortly afterwards, he pretty much changed his uh, Twitter um, his Twitter to resemble that of a 15 year old girl. And it's just, it's really doesn't work that way and from the Twitter post. It was like, Oh, there were solar flares that day. So this explains why I got this voicemail from MH370. It was from the black box. And then when I look at it, I'm like, that's, that's not how, how it works. <laughs> uh, that's not how solar flares work. Solar flares do when they do happen in a strong enough. Hold on, Dan. Have you ever seen the movie Frequency? Oh God! Is it some kind of frequency thing? So we could, so we could talk back in time uh, yeah. uh, when a solar flare happens. That that happens all the time, I guess. That that that's a common occurrence. <laughs> you're you're. <laughs> um, from what's what has been observed, when there is a solar flare, a serious enough solar flare, yes, they can damage equipment. And they can amplify radio signals. They can supercharge. They basically supercharge the ionosphere, and radio signals that are transmitted can actually go farther. But you wouldn't get a cell phone message from from this uh, thing from a black box. <laughs> cell phones are are at a basic level. They are radios, um, really complicated radios, but they are radios, and they do work on radio frequencies. But they work on like a cell system. So it's like you would have to get that that radio signal from a black box would have to shoot through all the cell areas that, that cover your area to go to your phone. And the fact that it went to your phone and then it, black boxes don't even work that way. They're voice recorders. Like it doesn't, it doesn't all add up. Um, MH370 is still a big thing. Um, basically uh, there's a really good article from wired. I think we could put it in the show notes that they show what happened. Then it's basically just a, a complete, clusterfuck is what's happened and like the malaysia government didn't uh release enough information when they went the initial search happened um the plane could have actually still been in the air when they sent out search and rescue so it still could have been flying it could have been hundreds of miles from where they originally started searching and by the time you get out there like ocean currents could have taken debris anywhere so you know it's it's on them really and so we haven't really when 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 you can't track all the connections and you there's no real explanations then anything is possible so yeah. you just have anybody just taking advantage of that and i i would really have trouble putting my faith in somebody from twitter who posts now as a 15 year old girl uh about some weird voicemail they got on their their iphone <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't put much credence in that malaysian airlines <laughs> flight 370 still unsolved Hashtag Dan knows. <laughs> Hashtag Dan knows. Um, Good stuff. Thanks for those guys. Uh, thanks for listeners for those. Those are fun. Right. Yeah, keep, keep sending keep... Dan. Yeah, there's a. I'll talk to you about. I don't want to talk about this one on air, but there's one uh, that this one guy keeps sending that I want you to debunk next. Drives me nuts. I'm just not smart enough to debunk it, so I just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Braden, you have a uh, um, podcast reviews up. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're almost uh, no, you're almost as bad as Mr. Conspiracy. 
Yeah, uh, just just about. I'm one notch above. Okay, well, you know, I'll read. I'll read two. I'm gonna read two. Okay, I was I was pulling one up as a, as we. You read one. I'll read one. Okay, sounds good. I'm I'm not, I'm not sure what we read last time, so uh, I'm gonna read. Uh, let's go from March twenty second. My dudes, killing it from Lindy Rose, USA. Short and sweet. Just ordered my ATT t-shirt. I'll be wearing it at AlienCon, repping for you guys. Dying, yeah. dying to hear an episode there. about cattle mutilation being connected to the reptilian species and their avatars. Keep it up, my dudes. That'd be fun. Thanks, Lindy Rose. Yeah, I, I, nice. the, the reptilians are due for uh, they're due for a a re, a, a, re uh, a revisit. We've only ta- really talked about them one time, just barely briefly. So. Uh, the reptilians. You could try to get that uh, little reptilian we know to come on and ask him what's it like being a reptilian. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, uh, what's it, what, what do we call him? Nagini. Nagini, yeah. N- Nagini! We know, uh, yeah, we know one real uh, real rep- reptilian. Yeah. He denies it, but um, we know the truth. We, I've got a picture of him transforming into a lizard. If you cut him open, he'd be filled with snakes. Of course. <laughs> good, good happy snakes, though. <laughs> good happy Um. No, I, I don't have any reviews up because I, I I forgot I always forget to bookmark that website and then I there's no new ones on the iTunes. So. Okay. Well, she wrote. Okay. Well, I'll I'll read one more one more I guess while I'm here. I'll save the newest ones and I'll read this one. This one's from uh, Gab Gabigail Hart. Pleasantly surprised. Five stars. I came across this podcast randomly on my first time on the podcast app. I don't know how we are the first podcast that people yeah. pull up on the app, but it's good. Yeah. It's awesome. How did that end up? <laughs> what kind of rabbit hole did they go down to find us? There's 4,000 <laughs> podcasts that rank higher and somehow they find us. But it's awesome. Hmm. I started with a random one and honestly, I have not listened to them in order, but it doesn't matter. Each one is funny and they all make some really good points. When they get into their theories, keep it up, you guys, from San Diego, California. Hey, maybe uh, are, are you going to be coming to Pasadena on June 14th and 15th? Hope so. We'll be there. You'll be see us there, you boys. You can't, Amigo Grande will still be on house arrest, so he won't be there. He but. cannot leave. No. He's now landlocked to Canada. Locked down, holding down the fort. Yeah. <laughs> Till uh, I have to go back to Mexico for my court. Um, and yeah, make sure to come see us at AlienCon. It's gonna be a absolute fucking blast. Oh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a great. Oh, it's gonna time. be real good. Uh, anything else? Any other business? Hey, Amigo Grande, uh, you wanna plug your Instagram or anything? No, no, okay. no, not yet. Okay, I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna do our newest Patreons. People supporting okay. the show. We're gonna go start with uh, Amanda Willett. Austin, Thanks, Austin Barnes. Thanks, Austin. Trent. Dijiawia. Dijiawia. Oh, no. Butchered that one. Thanks, guy. Butchered it. <laughs> fucking annihilated. Ike Heyman. Yeah. Christopher Thanks, Ike. McCormick. McCormick Candy hey, Bananas. Thanks, McCormick. 
Is he? Are, are you the heir to the McCormick candy banana fortune? If you are, what? please send candy us at banana. least forty-five kilograms of McCormick candy Wait, bananas. What are candy? What are what are the candy? Are they marshmallows? Marshmallow candy bananas, delicious. Marshmallow candy bananas. Candy bananas. Candy bananas. <laughs> oh please! I hope he is. Imagine that. That's the best sponsor. I would sponsor you guys in a second for free. God, that's. I think we've said the only sponsor that we would take on is McCormick candy bananas. Yeah, I think so. That's a thing. Yes, we've said that multiple times. Uh, <laughs> Yet they've never reached out to us. No one, yeah, no one's ever reached out, unfortunately, but hopefully soon. How come there's not one rep from McCormick Candy Banana? How much fucking free press do is anyone else giving McCormick Candy Bananas? Probably no one. Just us. So hook us up, man. At least send, at least send us some fucking a couple uh, a couple cases. I need some cases. Of- <laughs> okay, I'm gonna keep going. Hello, I'm diabetes. Keep going. Doug, Doug Champagne. Thanks, Doug. Ooh, Champagne. Just James. Thanks, James. Thanks, Just James. Just James. Ashley Hat with two T's. Oh, no. I'll tip my hat to you, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> Ooh. Erica Molina. Thanks, Erica. Alun Tyler. Alun, cool. And that, oh, I think those are the people we haven't read yet. Everyone else we've read. Huh. There, will, there will be a... T- cool. In the next few case files, I'm going to re- be reading everyone again, and you're going to have to bear with me for about 45 minutes oh. while I do so. <laughs> uh, That's it. That's it for us. We're going to go af- yeah. We're going to tell some stories about our Mexico trip on After Hours for our Patreon members, and for everybody else, we will see you on the next case file sooner than sooner than, later. Sooner than it has been guaranteed. Uh, so as I uh, always like to say, live long and prolapse. Uh, <laughs> What's that noise in the background? Somebody's fucking drilling in my apartment or some shit. (laughs) On my floor. I don't know what they're... At first they were hammering. Now they're fucking drilling something. I don't know. After hours. Oh, yeah. Um, that's good shit, man. Hey, you guys want to hear Zelly? I got a great podcast idea. I'm going to start it. T- I'm going to do the Wait, pilot tomorrow. Just one second. Okay, what? You always give me podcast ideas and you never do them. So is this, this one's for real? Uh, this one's for real. <laughs> this one's for real. Okay. This one's for real. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to call it Braden. Braden presents the one star reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to have some like nice elevator music and it's just, I'm going to, holy fuck. I got to mute my mic for this crap. Sorry. Jesus. Mute it and come back in when you're ready. Um, and (laughs) base. Jesus. Um, basically it's going to be me listening to like some nice, soft, subtle music. And I'm just going to read my favorite one-star reviews. Not of our podcast, just my favorite one-star reviews I find. Just on the internet in general? Yeah, and I'm going to cut them as wrestling promos. And then I'm just going to go, thanks, James. Uh, our next one-star review is from uh, all the way from uh, Alabama. <laughs> and then I'm going to read the review, cut a promo, and then just continue to read them to like some nice hoffy, like coffee cafe house music. That's funny. It's going to be great.